Folks, wonder what happened on July 12th in baseball history? Cy Young wins his 300th, Disco is dead, Ruth becomes a home run leader, and Robinson leads a trio to become the first black All-Stars. All on this day in baseball history. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Welcome to Baseball History Daily. You know, every piece of history starts with the birthday. And there's been hundreds of players that were born on this day. And my special birthday call call goes to Mario Soto. He was born on July 12, 1956 in the DR. The hard-throwing Soto started making his mark as a Reds outstanding pitcher in 1980, working in short relief, long relief, and starting. And then from 1981 through 85, Soto had more strikeouts than any other major league pitcher, including a club record 274 in 1982. He received the Buck Canal Award as the Outstanding Latin American in the Major Leagues in 1983 and started that year's All-Star Game. He led the NL in complete games in 83 and 84, and he was Cincinnati's MVP in 82 and 83 and tied a club record by starting on opening day five straight years, 1982 to 1986. And he set a club record with four opening day wins in Cincinnati. Unfortunately, Soto developed some severe shoulder problems in 86. He worked hard to make it back to Cincinnati in 88, but he was ineffective and he was released before the All-Star break. When Soto ended his career in Cincinnati, he ended at second on the club's all-time strikeout list. Now today's debut, it's a real throwback for me at Dave Parker. 1973 went 0 for 4 against the Padres. The Pirates have had three players during their long history who for a period of time were considered the best all-around players in the game. The first was, without a doubt, Hannes Wagner. He was universally praised as the greatest player of the first decade of the 20th century. And more recently, and more, re- more recently, I get he's not a popular guy, but Barry Bonds dominated baseball as its best player while in Pittsburgh during its early 1990s, uh, winning two MVPs and really should have been a third. Um, and he did reach greater heights after he left the Steel City, but we'll leave that up for a different discussion for a different day. In the third, well, you could say Roberto Clemente or you could say Willie Stodger. They were truly great players during their career, but at no time were they ever considered the best player in the game. Uh, Clemente had to deal with Mays and Aaron, and as great as he was, he was not good as great as either one of those players. Um, Willie Stodger was a fantastic player, uh, but he was never really the best player in the game. Paul Wehner was another one. Uh, he had his best years were overshadowed by a guy in pinstripes stripes, uh, named Lou Gehrig. Um, Archie Vaughn might, might have held the title, but if so, only during the 1935 season, which was a fantastic season. But he really wasn't considered for a, any period of time the best player in the game. Pi Trainer, another one, great consistent player, but he was never real. He was not that guy. No, in our estimation, the third man on that franchise throwing list is Dave Eugene Parker. He was the best player in the National League in the late 1970s. Before Robin gets to today's highlights for July 12th, I got some quick trivia for you. Who was the first American League player to lead the league in triples? Before Robin gets to today's highlights for July 12th, I got some quick trivia for you. 
Who was the first American League player to lead the league in triples and strikeouts in the same season? Answer after the show, and we'll give you a hint along the way. Robin, take it away. On July 12, 1996, longtime Minnesota Twins star and Hall of Famer Kirby Puckett announces his retirement due to glaucoma in his right eye. Over a 12-year career, the popular Puckett hit 207 home runs and 1,085 RBIs. At the time of his retirement, his 318 batting average was the highest by the American leaguer since Joe DiMaggio. He also helped the Twins to world championships in 1987 and 1991. On July 12, 1979, the Chicago White Sox staged Disco Demolition Night at the 52,000-seat Comiskey Park between games of a twi-night doubleheader. The event attracted an estimated 90,000 fans. After the Sox lose the first game to the Detroit Tigers 4-1, thousands of fans run onto the field. After a delay of more than an hour, the umpires rule the field unplayable, causing the White Sox to forfeit the second game. In 1949, on July 12th, Jackie Robinson, Roy Campanella, and Don Newcomb of the Brooklyn Dodgers and Larry Doby of the Cleveland Indians become the first African Americans to play in the All-Star Game. The four black stars appear in the historic game at Ebbets Field, where the American League defeats the National League 11-7. Jackie Robinson was Rookie of the Year and finished fifth in MVP voting in 1947, yet it took two and a half seasons for him to appear in an All-Star game. On July 12, 1921, Babe Ruth of the New York Yankees hits his 137th career home run, moving past fellow Hall of Famer Roger Connor on the all-time list. Connor hits 136 home runs during his career, all during the 19th century. And on July 12, 1901, future Hall of Famer Cy Young of the Boston Bean Eaters records the 300th win of his career. Young defeats Philadelphia A's 5-3. Young wins 211 more games for a total of 511, the most in Major League history. Walter Johnson is next on the list with 94 fewer wins. Young still holds the Major League records for the most career innings pitched, and the most career games started, and the most completed games. That was July 12th, this day in baseball. Robin, thanks for those highlights. You know, that's once a year reliving Disco Demolition Night is always something to think about. Uh, I don't know whoever thought that was a good idea, but uh, it obviously um, did not work out. So uh, for the trivia, uh, let, let me give you a few hints. Um, four years later, he led the league in sacrifice flies and intentional walks. It's odd to lead the league in these various statistics. Um, he lost 64 of the first 100 games when he became a manager. He was also the first major league player to wear a batting helmet with air flaps. And he once sang on the Today Show. Those are just things that make you go, hmm, it's an, odd, it's an eclectic uh, collection for, um, for him. So I always like to say when we talk about radio calls from Vintage Baseball Reflections that happen on July 12th, this is really like going to a Twilight Zone where you could propel yourself back 30, 50, or 70 years to listen to listen to old baseball games. And uh, one of today's is a 1966 All-Star Game at Bush Stadium where the AL will trot out eight future Hall of Famers in the National League 12. They had six starters and six on the bench. And Sandy Koufax made his last All-Star Game start. Denny McClain, though, 
really t- stole the show to start the game. He putting down five straight future Hall of Famers. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, McCovey, and Ron Santo. And he looked poised for the W after those three perfect innings. And in 1963, the expansion New York Mets have the pleasure of taking on the L.A. Dodgers and none, none other than Sandy Koufax towing the rubber. Koufax will put up du- double digits in strikeouts and pitch a masterpiece. And I'll tell you, just listen to that game. The, the way the announcers talked about Koufax, is it, that alone is worth the listen. Uh, the 1955 All-Star Game at County Stadium, it's not a full broadcast, but there are seven-plus innings on there, including a fantastic at-bat with Mickey Mantle versus Robin Roberts. And rounding out today, uh, the Yankees are going to take on the Washington Senators at RFK in 1970. And you can catch all these games on VintageBaseballReflections.com. And I just want to say, every time I turn one of these games on, I just get excited. I hear the news stories from announcers about players I wish I had seen that I never did. And it's just mesmerizing for me, um, you know, because they could all come to life. My dad used to tell me stories about these guys, and I've seen them on YouTube. But it's it's different when you have an announcer um, bringing them to life through their, through their voice. It's a just a different experience. And I, you know, hope you have a chance to, to listen to some of these games. So let's get to that trivia. Uh, in 1956, he had 138 strikeouts and 11 triples. And in 1960, he led the AL with eight sacrifice flies and nine intentional passes. He managed the 1968 Washington Senators, and he started 36 and 64 at a 360 clip. And he finished the season only slightly better at 404 winning percentage. So that wasn't too good. Uh, that's why he was replaced by Ted Williams the following year. On May 2nd, 1960, he was he had the air flap batting helmet. Um, it was referred to at the time as the Little League helmet. And he was part of the singing senators who performed on the Today Show in 1958. Who am I? Jim Lemon. You know, thanks for joining us today. And I hope you get a chance to go to Vintage Baseball Reflections uh, to listen to some of these games. And I just want to thank Robin from RobinSays.com for the highlights. Horsehide trivia for these amazing pieces of trivia and all these little notes that just make it so much fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. There's links to them in the show notes. You can sign up for their uh, daily newsletter. And that's all I got for today.
VintageBaseballReflections.com features a treasure chest of baseball audio. The wonderful thing is the audio isn't a guy like me or a few talking heads reflecting on players, seasons, or teams. It is the actual players from that era, announcers from that era, giving you an uncut, unfiltered, unrecent day stance on what it was like then. These are real-time clips from that era. Now, we encourage you to check out our entire back catalog of baseball audio. And if you like old-time games, and folks, and folks, you are not alone. Join the membership section to enjoy interacting with fans, scoring games with folks just like you, and listening to hundreds of radio broadcasts that were baseball classics. As a special offer to you, type in This Day in Baseball for a discount just for you. And if you enjoyed the show, hit the plus sign to subscribe, follow us on the socials, and above all, share us with your friends who love baseball history just like you.